0: Vayetze Yaakov Mi Be'ashava Vayelech Arana Vayifgah Bamakom And Yaakov Went out From Be'er Shavah. and he walked his way towards Haran to rest there because the sun was setting he took one of the stones from the place put it beneath his head lay down in the place Bayahalo and he dreamt Vihine Sulam Mutsav Arza V Rosho Magyah Shamaima and wow a ladder its feet sunk into the earth and its top tickling the heavens. Ve'hinei Malakh Elohim Olim veYordim. Bo And wow! Angels of God, Messengers of God ascending and descending Bo On it on it. Let's start with on it. Angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And wow, a ladder. Its feet sunk into the earth and its head. Berosho Magia Shemaima and the tops tipped. Tickling the heavens, angels of God ascending and descending. Hmm. Bo, on it. Hmm. Maybe. But let's start with the angels ascending and descending. Because it's peculiar, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, because since everything in Torah is purposeful and you would think that the angels would descend before they... Ascend because the angels would come down first before they go up. And so the rabbis say, mm. what kind of angels are those What go up before they come down?
1: What
0: kind of angels are those that go up before they come down? That's not the ravide angel. What kind of angel ascends before it descends? Angels have to originate here. And because you think that the angels would originate there and come down and go up. So if there are angels that are coming up before they go down, they have to be originate here. Oh, that's a knife. What do we send up that it? Prayer. And the rabbi said the angels that ascend in order to descend are the angels of our prayers. That each prayer creates an angel that ascends in order to release the flow of Shepha, that the flow may descend. A flow ascends. Well, this is that circularity of prayer about which we spoke the other day, that there is a giving and a receiving a giving in order to receive, a receiving in order to give, in order to receive, in order to give, that the longing on high, the gavoa, the the highest desire is to receive in order to give, just as ours below is to receive in order to give. You now, the greatest danger is that the system might become clogged. And do you know the danger of giving to the point that you are spent, for nothing comes back? Or receiving to the point that you are clogged and clotted? The angels that ascend and descend are the angels of our prayers. Olim v'yordim bo. The rabbis, the Bal Baal Shem Tov, teaches saying, Olim v'yordim be vav. Ascending and descending, not bo, but be vav on the vav. Ba, that's how you spell both. That the angels ascend and descend on the V. Yud and He. Vah and He. What does it mean to be in the divine image? If we walk into the fullness of the divine image and see it imprinted on our bodies. Yud, He, Gav, and He. Kete, Chokhman, Minah, Pesed, Gedur, Tiferet, Netzach, Ho, and so, and two, two mappings of the way that divine energy moves within us and within everything in the world. The above, the divine energy, is the spine upon which the Kundalini rises. The latter, connects the lower worlds and the upper worlds, the latter, so I was Four worlds, hey and love, hey and good, describing four dimensions through which the divine animation flows in order to manifest a world. for worlds, if you were, each resonant with divinity. The journey in the Sidur, the Shakri journey of the Sidur, is a journey through the four worlds of consciousness. For a Jewish mystical tradition views the unfolding of creation itself as the emanation of four worlds or levels or dynamics of spiritual energy. Represented by the four letters of the divine name, a dynamic process in which four manifestations, four emanations, four worlds, four energies of divinity flow at every moment from the heart of the One into the unfolding cosmos. Worlds have names. They are called, well, what's the the world, the uh, the physical world, the world of doing and making and being, of Asiya. Asiya the world of action, the world of separations and distinctions. Yitzira, the world of, called formation, the artistic, creative world, the world of water and dreams and archetypes. Bria, the world in which our mind and the divine mind touch. And Atzilut, the blazing emanation of, Atzilut, the blazing emanation of pure divinity. Doing, feeling, knowing, being, earth, water, air, fire, hey, vav, hey, yud. As creatures in the divine image, we are, as it were, chips off the old block. Fractals of divinity. We can experience these energies and we can use our capacity for heightened awareness to travel in these worlds. In each of these worlds, we can connect with our own source in the divine. We can also use our capacities to tap into these energies so they flow. Easily and, and gently through our lives. This is the avodah, the work of prayer, to unclog any of the clogged passageways in the self and thereby in the world, to make a tikkun in the self and in the world. So that the Shefa, the divine flow, can flow unimpeded to irrigate our thirsty lives and our thirsty world. The Avodat is a very sophisticated spiritual practice. sacred text, meditation, movement, all used in the service of restoring our soul's living link to God. That's big. If each one of us is as it were, a fractal of the divine. Do you know what fractals are? It's really really quite wondrous. If if you're not familiar with this term, uh, just give a wiggle, because it's it's really worth understanding. Uh, The simplest way to explain is that if you can imagine a snowflake in front of you and you see its lacy intricacy, If in your mind's eye you were to follow the edge of a snowflake to the tip of one of its points, and you were able in some way to snip off the point of one of the starry frills of the snowflake, and if you were to take that point and put it in a magnifying glass and you'd magnify it to the same size as the original snowflake, what would you see? You'd see the identical snowflake. And if you were to travel to the tippy tip of one of the fronds of that enlarged snowflake and snip off a little bit of the tip and you were to enlarge it to the same size as the first two, what would you see? you would see the identical snowflake. Which is a way of saying, it's turtles all the way down. (laughs) In other words, at every scale, the pattern is the same. One way of thinking about what it means to be in the divine image is that we are each a fractal a snip of the divine source and because that pattern is inside of us we can locate the pathways through which divine energy flows in ourselves the Torah tells us that we are B'Tselem Elohim, that we are in the divine pattern, in order that we can use the information that can be gleaned about divinity from exploring the divine pattern that we are. And are we not aware of the many ways in which the flow of God energy in the divine pattern of ourselves is clogged and clotted, impeded, obstructed. All of our frustrations and our angers and our rage, all of our mistakes, all of our improprieties, all of our averas, Calcify, fritz the pathways. Right. And just living does too. This stuff happens. You don't have to be busy doing horrible things that are wrong. Just the ordinary wear and tear damages the plumbing. we build into the cycle of our week and our lives and our holy days powerful tikkunim, powerful karma cleansers. Yom Kippur is a very big karma cleanser. Someone asked me, Deb, you asked me earlier about tachanun. Tachanun is a little daily karma cleanser. Keeping the channels flexible and open um, takes tending. Requires something of us. Requires attention. Requires a sustained spiritual practice. Whether you use a plumbing metaphor or a bl- uh, arteries and the body metaphor, there's calcification and wear and tear that sets in. So one of the great purposes of, of davenant of prayer is a moving of energy through the spiritual plumbing, through the spiritual electrical system of the body in the service of healing and repairing the larger body of the cosmos. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It's a very different way of teaching the purpose of prayer, what the Avodah really is. Come with me and we'll look at the, the way in which four worlds can be taught. And then we'll look at the way that this map plays out in the sidur, So you can see for yourself how you can use the sidur as a journey through the four worlds from the most basic physical plane of Asiya through the peak of Atsilut and then gently back down, a model based on Yaakov's dream with the angels of your prayers ascending and descending on the vav, on the ladder of prayer. Each rung of the ladder offers its own spiritual gifts and challenges. The point is not to rush overly swiftly to the top, but rather to savor the fullness of the journey. It is a journey of consciousness. If you have your folios, we'll look at an abbreviated map of the... Shab- in this instance is a, from a Shabbos morning sidur, so the Shabbos morning service has cognates with the weekday service page 21 I'm
1: sure what's it?
0: 21 Olam 20. mm. HaAsiyah the world of doing and being Making and having the lowest rung of the ladder, the physical world, it's a very good world.
1: I, I have a, a question about privileging when we say lowest and highest, mm-hmm. at least in English, it implies a hierarchy and value. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: And this does not imply a hierarchy of value, but the metaphor that works actually better for me in some ways is that these are four programs that are running in your hard drive all the time. In different times, one or another program or one another window is more forward than the other. The rabbis call the world of Asiya Olam Haperud or Olama Prida, the world of separation and distinction. It is the world we praise when we leave Shabbos at Havdullah and we call out in praise to God as that power Hamavdil Bain Hamavdil Bain. The, that power that enables us to have the capacity to make distinctions. I mean, it's the first of the morning brachas. He gives the bird brain the capacity to make elementary distinctions. the capacity to make distinctions is a foundational capacity for being alive and aren't those separations and distinctions really fine chocolate and vanilla and strawberry and and banana, peaches and, and grapes you and me, night and day If there were no separations and distinctions, I couldn't fall in love with you. It's one of the first things that we learn as an infant as we emerge from the, uh, the blur of infantile narcissism in which we imagine that everything is an extension of ourselves. Do you remember when you... (laughs) 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 It's like deep inside we all remember. A neonate lives in a morass of sensations, does not know that it is a self and does not know that there's anything outside of itself. Everything that, everything is a sensation that happens within the self. A rattle in a hand is not a rattle in its hand, but a sensation that is entirely within itself lights, colors, textures. Milk is a sweet sensation in, that happens entirely inside the self. There is no, nothing outside the self for, to locate that, the source of that sensation beyond itself. One of the earliest things an infant learns is to distinguish between self and not self and then you learn object permanence which just why peekaboo is so much fun because you learn that there actually is a rattle in your hand and you can <laughs> uh oh you learn to say uh oh so even before that it's the self and
1: the mother's. Mm-hmm. even before that
0: right even before that, you, that just to to, to identify, you don't even know what mother is, but that there, there's a, a teasing apart of self and other that is the beginning of the emergence of a self. If you grew up in a family without very good boundaries... You know how great boundaries can be. Mm -hmm. Boundaries, separations, distinctions, they are the gift of being alive in our world. Sunlight on dappled leaves, ponds and mountains and glaciers and whales and guppies. There is a bit of a dilemma with separation and distinction, though. What is it? We believe it. Yeah, we start to think that that's all there is. We get so pulled into it that we run the risk of imagining that that's all that there is.
1: There's also a very fine line between we are separate and we are better.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. As soon as separate separations, distinctions, then hierarchies come in and value judgments. (coughs) There's peril in that world as well. Fortunately, we are hardwired in at least one way to know that the The hard solidity of the world of separations and distinctions isn't all that there is. Because after all, at night we dream. And while in the waking world of separation distinctions, a horse is a horse and a giraffe is another creature, and earth and sky are separate, In my dreams, earth can become sky and horse can become a camel. I can ride on the winds and go into a cave. I can be myself and then I can become you and I can become another creature. In the world of dream, what happens? Almost everything and anything. Mm -hmm. The world of dream gives us art and music, poetry. We swim in the waters of the not so solid realms of awareness.
1: Hmm.
0: Now if we do our work in the world of dreams well we have intimations that even that is not the limit of what there is it's like if we do the work of a seer well the world of dream opens to us if we do the world work of the dream world well yet another dimension opens for us. What is that? You yeah, yeah that, that aha. There's a place of aha that we each can touch from time to time, even for a nanosecond. You know, sometimes I like to imagine Albert Einstein in his uh, mathematical labyrinth of a laboratory. In my mind's eye, our Albert Einstein's laboratory was an old Victorian house in which every single wall was a blackboard,
1: <laughs>
0: a mansion of rooms, each room a blackboard filled with mathematical equations. You can visualize her with the gray hair, the pipe, the, and the lab coat covered with chalk dust. Wandering from room to room, looking at the math, looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, looking at it puffing at the pipe, walking from room to room, looking at the math until one day pulls the chalk from the lab coat and writes E equals MC squared. Boom! And it all falls into place. Like Domino, the entire mathematical equation of his lifetime Written in chalk on every one of those blackboards falls into place. The pattern of the universe becomes tr- transparent. Not every one of us is Einstein. But have you not had moments in which the pattern of the universe became transparent? What was it like? Where were you? Oh if you're willing. Um
1: in Israel.
0: No, sometimes sometimes it's not even something I mean, it's often it's not even something that can be planned for. It's just the way that you were walking in the woods and The light shines on a droplet of water, on a leaf, and suddenly the pattern of the universe reveals itself to you. We'll be gazing out in the night sky, and suddenly it's not you gazing at the night sky, but something larger made itself known to you. Sometimes it's in an intimate moment gazing at the, the wonder in the eyes of the newborn or falling in love for the first time. That's why I guess lovers hug lampposts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Because once you see love, you see it everywhere. <laughs> once you're in love, like Hafiz says, once you're in love, you're in love everywhere. The holiness, the, the resident holiness of life reveals itself to you. You know yourself to be loved, to be protected, to be of infinite value, as small a piece of protoplasm as you are in a vast cosmos, by virtue of the fact that you can open your heart to embrace all of existence you know that you matter. If we do that world well, if we can hold open the lens by which we can glimpse the pattern of the cosmos for two nanoseconds, not only one nanosecond, if we can hold open the lens by which we glimpse the pattern of the cosmos just a little bit longer, we are privileged to glimpse yet a further possibility. It is that possibility that is sometimes called by that word, atsilut, the blazing emanation of pure divinity. Once when I was uh, on my way back to a, the airport after teaching a retreat in Canada, I taught in Fort Capel. Any of you Canadians know where Fort Capel is yeah i I still teach in Fort Capel uh, like every other year there the, yeah United Church of Canada uh, every 18 months or so, the United Church of Canada brings me up to teach a retreat for lay and ordained ministers of the United Church of Canada, who all of whom are aware that they learned that there was such a thing as a Judeo-Christian tradition when they went to seminary, but then they weren't taught anything about the Judeo part, and so somehow or other they've they decided that I should come and teach about the Judeo part to the ministers of the prairie, and the notion that all of the United Church of Canada's ministers of the prairie know about Judaism from me it proves to me that God has a sense of humor.
1: <laughs>
0: <So> after, the <laughs> after the retreat... Someone has to drive me to the airport. They pick somebody, and so this lovely woman is driving me back to the airport. She's one of the ministers. It's about an hour and a half drive. Do you have kids? Yes, I have kids. Do you have kids? Yes, I have kids. Do you, where did you go to seminary, Oh, where did you to go to seminary? And after a while, we've used up those topics. There's a bit of si- some silence in the car when she turns to me and says... In your seminary, or among your clergy friends, is it okay to talk about experiences? say a little more (laughs) well I said I had an experience and I don't have anyone to talk to about it do you people talk about did, would you like to tell me? Yes, she said. About three months ago, I was driving home from one of my charges. What that means is that most of the little congregations in the prairie are not large enough to have a full-time clergy person. So there's a part-time person who serves many different congregations. Sometimes they are as much as 100 miles apart from one another, and on Sunday morning, the traveling minister does a church service and each one of those, and drive sometimes four or five hundred miles, each one of those parishes, as it were, is called a charge. So you can have a one-point charge, means that you're full-time in one place, but many people have four-point charges, meaning that on Sunday morning they're driving and doing pastoral work and a service at four different congregations, very rural, out on the prairie. Yeah. The one thing you need to know about the prairie out there is that in every direction you can see the horizon.
1: So you can watch your dog run away for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You, you can see the flat horizon in every direction and it is all planted with grain when the wind rolls through the grain it is like the wind rolling over a golden ocean all the way to the edge of the planet and in fact I learned that now, but during World War II, it was the boys from the prairie of Canada that were drafted into the Navy. Because they were the only ones who were accustomed to looking out over such expanses and were not disoriented by the expanse of the ocean. So accustomed were they to the expanses of the waves of grain. She said, I was driving home from one of my charges. The sun was just beginning to set when I passed a field of ripe and golden grain, my kids and my family were waiting for me to get home. And I don't know why, but I couldn't help myself. I pulled over on the side of the road. I got out of my car. I began to walk into the fields of grain, deep into the golden field the grain you no know, about this high she said I stood there as the sun and the wind rolled over the grain I don't know how long it was but suddenly I began to feel myself dissolve into the grain like a grain of salt dissolving into the ocean. I was filled with the most rapturous joy that I had ever known a joy which grew more and more intense as I felt myself dissolve. And then came a voice of terror, a voice inside me screaming, get me out of here. I have kids, I have a husband at home, they expect peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) She said, it took every ounce of strength in my body, to pull myself back. It hurt. I exerted every ounce of energy in my body and it was painful to pull myself back. But I did. Shaking, I got back into my car and I drove home. I never told anyone about this. Then she said to me, she turned and said, Rabbi, Was what I did a sin? Uh, to touch the oneness and reintegrate transformed her ministry is never the same she had touched the oneness and been able to reintegrate she'd gone pretty far It is an elaborate uh, example and yet I offer it uh, not to posit that as the most normative experience of Mm -hmm. to ever to be achieved but because each one of us has moments in which we become a grain of salt in the cosmic ocean and dissolve with that measure of bliss that is available. And in our tradition, as bodhisattvas, we are invited not to exit but to reintegrate and that's is that not the lesson of the Balsento from that extraordinary letter that he wrote to his brother-in-law in which he said you know about the out of body soul work that I do, right? Right. Well, sometimes in the out of body soul work that I do I go to very high places once I traveled to a place in which it felt to me I was in the presence of Mashiach and it seemed to me that if a human being could travel all the way into the presence of Mashiach all the way to the throne of glory then that proved that human beings could do that so the game was up so I turned to Mashiach and I said I guess you're you're coming now because look, here I am. I made it. I proved that we could do it. And you remember what he heard. Good try. Now go back and teach everyone else how to do it. And when you all can do it, that will be when the wheel turns. But a bodhisattva is somebody who has achieved enlightenment and instead of blipping out of the karmic cycles of Gilgal, of life and death, uh, comes back to, to teach and prepare that road for everyone else. Atsilut. Asiya, the physical world of separations and distinctions of sky and sun and water and grain and earth and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. This is the world that is created and is called good. Matovu ohalecha, Yaakov. With each day of creation more and more of the multiplicity of richness of the material world comes into being and this is good. It just isn't all there is. In the hermeneutics of Torah, it's reading the literal text. The pshat. And in the world of dream, the world of archetype, in which what we see isn't exactly what it appears to be, but hints at deeper levels of awareness. This is the Jungian dimension, the world of the subconscious, the watery world of myth and archetype. The world of the aha, in which the... in Reading Torah, there are hyperlinks between texts, pathways of unanticipated, brilliant, aha, moments and meaning. And then an Atzilut, in which the text is nothing less than the largest Shimei Rabbah the largest name of God. It may be a surprise to realize that the structure of the Shakrit Davenin is the ladder that moves through these worlds, it is a pilgrimage of consciousness, not just a a dense thicket of excess verbiage (laughs) to be moved through. As one of the uh, lovely students in the European Academy for Jewish Liturgy said, when asked what might seem to us to be a simple question we said to him after he led a service, what was your intention in, in that service he sat there stunned intention he said no one has ever asked me what my intention was my intention is to get to the end <laughs> I'm trying to see the clock do a little time check Mm -hmm. if you look at this page 21 you'll see something that is not necessarily immediately noticeable and I just want
1: to point it out before taking you further on the journey a journey which I'll invite you in your own way
0: over time to undertake by yourself one lesson about pilgrimages of consciousness, about uh, the journey through meditative states of consciousness, is that when I wake up, say like this is my wake-up baseline. I look up in the morning. Uh, I'm glad to be awake. Glad I'm still me. <laughs> 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 there is there, <laughs> <laughs> well because there is actually a moment that the reverber has asked us to savor um, it's it's a moment before you would say moda uh, you return my soul to me. So this moment in waking up before you know that there's a need to whom your soul mm-hmm. has been returned. I mean, it passes very quickly so most of us don't pay any attention to it. But there actually is a very precious moment upon waking before you remember that you are you. It, right, it's a magic moment. And we are invited actually upon waking to try to hold on to that moment and hang out there before waking consciousness and on me and I've some dreams I don't remember them anymore and what time is it and did anyone put the coffee up before all those things kick in. There's a very baseline of consciousness if I am hoping to function in, during the day at the kind of elevated consciousness that a, a journey like this might induce for me, my desire is not to hang out at Atsilut, I assure you. It's not the goal of the journey. In, in absolute kind of moments, I'd be incapable of functioning.
1: They couldn't drive a car. When he said red, <laughs> <laughs> red, green, red, green, <I'd> <laughs> <In absolute laughs> red,
0: green, red, green, red, Making a butter and jelly sandwiches. And I have commitments in my life to the health and safety of my family and my children, my colleagues. I want to live all of those commitments with presence, with integrity, with awareness, and also with the most expanded consciousness that I can hold on to that is still viable in the world of the Sia. So I I kind of want to get here. I I want to function in the world of the Sia, but in a more enlightened way. It's just that There is no spiritual practice that effectively gets you from baseline to there, but pulling you up. The most effective practice is a practice that brings you higher, gently, and then very gently brings you back so that you can sustain this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you can get there, but you'll just drop it. Even weightlifters do that. You can't just pick something up. You have, you, there's a way in which you do exercise that is safe and sustainable. The trajectory of consciousness that a weekday, you know, weekday morning in, um, in trains wants a sustainable lift. And so we'll bring you through a trajectory of states of awareness that you can see mapped right here before you. Birchot HaShacha, come awake and alive as a distinct being. Begin the daily journey, engage the body, establish sacred space, blessings for body and soul, morning blessings. These are all very personal. They don't even have to happen in shul. They're about me coming alive out of sleep as a distinct embodied being with gratitude for the physicality of my world. The escalator will take me up a little higher when verses of psalmody connect me with wonder and amazement and praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. Psyche de Zimra begins with God speaking creation into existence, praising the author of the cosmos as that power to whom we sing our songs of praise. The great poet Rumi said, the cause of your depression it is your refusal to praise? Mm-hmm. It is not happy people who are grateful. It is grateful people who are happy. I heard about
1: a study that people who write gratitude lists are doing much better.
0: Write your gratitude list and sing hallelujah. Baruch Amar on Shabbos Psalms for Shabbat, daily Psalms, the great poet, ni, poem Nishmat Kol Chai Tevarechet Shimcha Ya Eloheinu, the, the neshama of every living being praises your essence, you whose very name is the breath of my life. Have you ever gone out into the field to sing with the crickets or awakened in the morning to sing with the birds. Every living being sings only one song. It's a song of praise. It's cricket, cricket, looking for another cricket, cricket, looking for another cricket, cricket. (laughs) Every, Every creature sings a song of its own aliveness. It is its gift to the creator. Yishtabach. The, the, the airplane has been taxiing through the pathways of gratitude, a quickening of the heart, and with Yishtabach, the you um, know that moment in, when the plane is going down the runway when the wheels tuck under mm-hmm. and there's that moment of lift? Um, we were speaking, Shira and I were speaking about this. I've been on some airplanes when uh, the plane is taxiing, it, the, the wheels go up, there's a moment of lift and everybody cheered. Maybe it was the U.S.A. No, it was the Southwest. (laughs) Everybody cheered in the plane. There was something very moving at that particular instance about that moment that maybe it was a very long runway or we had been taxiing for a long time and when we lifted up, there was like a barhu call to prayer. It was is the runway from the world of uh, of heart-centered gratitude to? The, it's the lift-off into the sky. The lift-off into the airy realm of clouds and glinting sunlight. We can see the moon as a crescent out of one window and the sun in the sky at the same time. We can ride above the clouds. We enter the realm, the angelic realm, inhabited by beings of light, in which the Planeta themselves ha- are possessed with, created with and possessed of divine wisdom. Light, love, oneness, protection. We connect with holiness, we connect with love, we dissolve boundaries. We are free of self-limiting deceptions and we know ourselves. We know ourselves to be protected. This Section of the Davenin is the core section of the Davenin. In many of our communities, we've worked so hard to reclaim the Jewish joy of Psukei de Zimra that we will happily sing Psukei de Zimra for an hour and a half and then spend three minutes taking the Concord taking the fastest plane imaginable through the world of bria which is where most of the work is done amida time would that we could learn to use amida time as the absolute experience it is the is crafted to be. And reclaiming our capacity to do that is one of the tasks that is before us. Notice that in those services where there's a Torah service, the Torah service is back on the way down. It's back in Bria. Why do you think that is? This
1: is kind of walk in.
0: To want, Torah is already um, gelling the awareness that comes to us in the moment of a, a, a tzilut-like dissolve might in, inform our reading of Torah. But in the world of the Ein self Torah is not what's happening. Something else is happening. Yeah, say a little more about that.
1: It, uh, it, it, it helps you because you're, you're coming down and falling and falling and falling from, from that place. Um, and instead of crashing down to the ground, the Torah gently lays you down. The mm-hmm.
0: so, Torah gives us a kind of user's manual for how to... Work these different levels of experience or qualities of experience, and helps us integrate. Once again, integrate expanded consciousness. The rest of the davenin is a a gentle a gentle descent. But I'd like to say one quick word about Musaf. Because in many of our Shabbos morning services, Musaf has fallen off the edge of the planet. And Musaf isn't even on this chart. If you have two seconds, I'll share a Zalman story about Musaf that you'll totally get. For Reb Zalman's 80th birthday, a whole group of people chipped in to give him as a birthday present a ride in a glider over Colorado if you know how gliders work there's a a plane that has an engine that pulls the glider plane up pretty high and then releases it the glider pilot guides the plane in big spirals uh, over as long a period of time as the pilot can keep the plane the glider plane aloft until it gently lands And so it happened. The plane was released and began its gorgeous glide over the landscape of Colorado. You can imagine all of the colors and the canyons and the rock formations as seen from way high up with the rocky mountains on one side and the vastness of the prairie on the other side, as the glider took Reb Zalman on a guided tour of the most beautiful landscapes of the west well you can imagine Reb Zalman's surprise when suddenly very purposefully the glider pilot steered the plane over the largest junkyard in Colorado vast acreage the corpses of
1: automobiles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It took only a few minutes for Rav to figure out why the glider pilot had done that. You can figure it out too. Because the heat, the thermal, the heat of the Colorado sun baking on the acres of sheet metal produced such a powerful thermal updraft that the glider as soon as it hit the junkyard went whoosh back up and gave them an extra hour (laughs) of glide. And that is Musa.
1: (laughs) What's the the junkyard?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And metaphor actually falls apart there. So beautiful friends, the medical leaders are coming up the invitation to you I'll I'll take the question in a minute. The invitation to you is to take your highlighter pens and your post-its and your and go through your siddur, locating all these things. When I first learned this model from um, Balatanya, I took my old silverman which had long since lost its cover and different magic markers and I put Magic, different magic marker colors and I color-coded all four worlds and I color-coded with highlighter pens you know, all of the different key prayers and I worked those prayers until they began to do the job that they were placed there to do. You can do the exact same thing.